0: time when the rule of law was written by the fastest gun, the little town of Wells Junction finds itself in need of a morally minded gunslinger after the sinister Cisco Pike's gang rolls into town. Fortunately for them, the sharp-eyed and sharp-dressed Wink Wink! Rawhide Kid is just the rough and tumble hombre they're looking for. Armed with impeccable style, endless charisma, and a pistol that doesn't miss, Wink Wink! He's gunning to restore law and order to Wells Junction once and for all, even if it means sleeping with a dude. Wink, wink. Join us as we saddle up and slap leather for the first mainstream comic series ever to feature an openly gay title character: 2003's Rawhide Kid. On this week's. Oh God, it burns! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our next episode in Ron Zimmer month, and oh God, it burns! Last week we saw the surprising start of the Me Too movement in get Craven, and this week we're jumping into what was billed as the first uh, main first mainstream character like gay character to ever star in their
1: own magazine. Yep. Not quite true. He was a close second.
0: <laughs> yeah, close what? by like uh, about.
1: 10 years. I think fairness- Northstar
0: had his first uh, four-issue thing back oh, I was going to say,
1: in all fairness, Northstar is a speedster, so it makes sense that he came out first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, zing. zing. Wow, are you writing Ron Zimmerman's jokes? <laughs> no, if I was, I'd talk about how uh, the Rawhide kid is okay with not being the first to finish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he is very proud that he likes the long time.
0: <laughs> so, if you have any guess, guesses, so we're reading the first... It, uh, series of the Raw High Kid that was from 2003 uh, debuted on the Max line made a huge splash in media and uh, really just for the reason that this was a gay character that was formerly just like a really tough western character I back mean, in the Atlas days he, and the timely days. Yeah
1: he was uh, one of the he was there before it was Marvel it was Atlas although he's gone through several changes when he first started out he was a blonde-haired kid. And then um, at some point, he became the red-haired one that we all know and love. At one point in the early 2000s, prior to this reboot, he had kind of a hippie, dark hair kind of look, and they just decided to, uh, you know, go back to what worked. The longest run that he had um, was, I think, back in 1985, and uh, he got the name because, well, he doesn't do so much, but Rawhide was not only the type of leather, but also he had a Rawhide whip. So they kind of figured that's how he got the name because he would use that to disarm his foes as well as being a crack shot. So when did he become such a sharp dresser? Uh, I would say probably about 2000s. Somewhere around the knots he had a stunning epiphany <laughs> and he just went, fabulous. No, <laughs> well, listen, you were born that way. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: talking like it's a choice, damn it. <laughs> (laughs) But yeah, so Ron Zimmerman, uh, he uh, wrote this along with uh, John Severin, classic artist. He was actually one of the first five artists that founded Mad Magazine. He was one of the original artists of Rawhide Rawhide Kid Kid. and a bunch of other Western uh, type of stuff. So it was a big deal that he came in. And actually, I was reading an interview with Joe Casada at the time, and apparently John Severin was signed on to this before they even knew who was going to write this. They just knew that he was gay and that... Jokesata told John Severin that, and John Severin apparently was just like, hmm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can make that. That sounds word. delicious. <laughs> I can do this. And does it and do it he does. Yeah. He's got some of the best, like, wink and nod. Like a lot of times he's like just drop innuendo and just look deadpan right at the uh the yeah. wreather breaking the fourth wall, and
1: it was it was pretty spot on perfect. He's definitely like an old west version of Deadpool. He was like the pre Deadpool, just very much the entire time, he drops a little joke, and he just almost stares right at the camera. and goes, you got that, right? Because they didn't. Yep. And uh, this
0: caused a big controversy when it first came out. And really, it all came down to we have a gay character in comic books, which are for kids, at a time in America when we were a lot more conservative than we are now.
1: Yeah, there's definitely, uh, when this came out, they were trying to push, like, we're gonna push the envelope, we're doing the max line, so we have this R-rated comic book, in fact, right on the cover, it says, parental advisory, um, so, th- just like you would get on those explicit lyrics, like, parental advisory, adult content inside. It's like, yo, we got some fucked up shit in here. Right, really, that's really what it was, so, you know, that just made the kids wanna buy it more, and then when their parents were like, no, you can't read that, look at that sticker, they are just like, here, I'm going to buy this. Don't tell Mom. But
0: it's it. pretty funny when you look at the original lineup of them. You've got Jessica Jones. Oh, uh, Alias. Yeah. Jessica Jones uh, starting in Alias. Brian Michael Bendis' first thing with Michael Gatos. And she's, like, having anal sex with Luke Cage yeah. in the first issue. And then you have Fury Max, which is, just, like, all sorts of messed up yeah. from Garth Ennis and uh, Derek Robinson. Uh, Howard the Duck came out as well, which is pretty fun. But it also had some really messed up imagery. Like, in the first episode, I think... I mean, the first issue, I believe, in Howard the Duck, there were, like, these uh, teenage band boys, like, riding treadmills that had dildos on the end of them that were, like, thrown straight into them, and then you read Rawhide Kid, and it was, like, the tamest. He's the same gay. but he's gay so it had to be a mature reader like which in itself caused a tri- controversy right there it's just like it's
1: why like, can't we just have him exist in the regular MCU it's like the whole scale see like you know you have like bikes on dildos that's like a 7 you've got like people getting anally raped that's like a 9 no she wasn't getting ra- it was consensual oh, see, that true. was consensual oh that's true sorry the rape came later <laughs> she, was, she was having a very rough day and she wanted Luke Cage to knock her bottom out there you go you're right so that was about let's go with nine and a half because it's consensual. But then you got like five old west, but he's gay. And now it's like fifteen. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> gay just doubles up everything. Yeah, and it
0: wasn't <laughs> the only western that was on there. I think they had Apache Skies, yeah. John Ostrander, and then I think Mark Texier was on there too. Super bloody uh, western comic, and this was like really just a straight up comedy written as it, which I think surprised a lot of people because when they heard like, it's going to be like the first gay character you expect like a little bit of pomp mm. to it, and they went straight blazing saddles yeah. instead of a black guy, it, it's it a gay, gay guy. guy. So, uh, you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about the story,
1: Bruno? Alright, sure. Um, basic story starts off like any, uh, anyone knows, you have like a little thing and it's like the West has many stories and it gives you a little bit of breakdown about the legend of the High kid. <laughs> and uh, with the with this whole legend, you have a little breakdown. It's like, you know, the Rawhide Kid, he works a mystery, but everywhere he goes, you know, nothing's the same afterwards. This is one of those tales, and introduces us to the little town, little quiet town of Wells Junction, with uh, a new sheriff, uh, Sheriff Matt Morgan, I believe was his name. I just know he was a pussy. <laughs> as, as we'll discover later. I think his uh, name was Matt. Yeah, I know his name was Matt. I believe his last name was Morgan. And uh, Sheriff uh, Matt... Uh, you know, he was like a shoe salesman who became a sheriff, and he got rid of some rustlers. Um, and all of a sudden, these real gunslingers come into town, and he's like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? So they're all like hooting and hollering in the saloon, and he just walks in, and he's like, I'm going to have to Now listen, you guys got to get out of here. You got you to go. Y'all are just no good for this town. And, you know, you got the bad guy, uh, Cisco Pike, going, we'll go when we're good and ready. And he's like, I, I think you're ready now. And he's like, is them fighting words? And then they proceed to just gang up and beat the ever-loving crap out of him. Wait, you're missing the part where he said, I dare you to cross this line. And okay. he stepped over the line. I dare you to cross this, this line. line. <laughs> and then he let him off a cliff. <laughs> right. No, actually, it's much worse. He's like, you need to go. And he's like, is them fighting words? And then he pulls out the gun and he shoots him in the leg and shoots his deputy dead. <laughs> and then proceeds to beat the crap out of this guy whose leg is, like, bleeding. And, and like the like, whole time
0: his kid's watching, it's like, my dad's going to show Cisco back what's what. Then he sees his dad get the hell beat out of him. And for the rest of the series, his kid's just like, I'm embarrassed. I got punched in the eye because you're such a
1: sissy, dad. <laughs> what's great is that the raw High kid just shows up out of nowhere and just saves the day. And the sheriff's like, I'm dying. Uh. I'm dying. He's like, shut up. Those are two bullets. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go and stitch yourself up, sugar. <laughs> And, uh, and um, as Cisco Pike uh, and the gang leave town, they're like, what just happened? And who was that sharply dressed man?
0: <laughs> Which, by the way, is like the uh, preferred slang for gay man yeah. in this whole thing. where Like, none of the guys are picking up that he's gay. In fact, they're they're just like,
1: man, he's looking like he's the sharpest dressed man here. One of the reasons that I, I don't think that, like, a lot of people... Because this had a mixed review. When it came out, it had such publicity of being a gay comic book. Like, the start of a gay icon, the first one to lead. But, like you said, it was written as a straight comedy. And the fact the word gay is never actually used Mm. at all. The closest they ever get later on Mm. is using the term sissy as more and more of his mannerisms. Yeah. Actually, I think that the
0: most direct it was was in issue four when they had the flashback, which is, like, one of the best scenes in the whole book, where Rawhide Kid's thinking about him getting beat up as a kid... And he's just like, come on, your old man knows you're a girly boy. So it's just like pretty explicit right there. But it really never really treads into that. Yeah. Except for like all the winking and the nodding, which by the way, I found really hilarious. Like I was openly laughing at a couple of them. Some of them didn't quite work for me, but the ones that did, like it, it made me chuckle and it surprised me Do because you also of like how being like historically. At
1: by- yeah. <laughs> Do you also like being waked up by strange men? Is that what you're talking You see it? my friend's pool. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so the whole big thing with it is that for the conservatives, they're like, they just heard the word gay, and they're like, this is ridiculous. And, of course, they protested it probably without even opening the first page. Probably
0: most famously in the comics industry was Chuck Dixon. Oh, God. Who's, who's a, had, like, a good run on Punisher. I don't know. I don't think I've ever really read anything by Dixon. I think I read some of his Robin stuff or, or I, some of his Batman things. I thought they were Okay. They're but,
1: okay, I,
0: I will say. Yeah, I was just like, okay, this is cool. He does like a lot of G.I. Joe type of things, like a uh, real American hero type of stuff. And when this came out, he was just like, there's no way they talked John Severin into doing this. Like, he wouldn't even draw something for me where two people out of wedlock were out of bed. So they must have tricked him into doing this stuff. And that was part of like the conservative uprising. And then Joe Casada actually had to come out and be like, listen, uh, I usually don't comment on this stuff, but when someone from my comics community says something this stupid, I have to come out and say this. Because, first of all, if you look at the pages, he's clearly drawing him super effeminate and winking, and nodding and straight at the camera. Like, you can't say that John Severin didn't know anything that was going on here. So, it was just like a really big, just like almost conflict within the community as well that they were doing that. And it's just like as much shit as they got for revealing Wolverines. True his origin, which I don't think revealed much at all. <laughs> no, like we,
1: like, we kind of know where he's from, but then there's those whole fuzzy memories that we'll never get back.
0: Yep. As it- much as much as they got for that, it's just like that was doubled when it's just like it would be almost as if they revealed that not so much Wolverine was gay, but like Sabretooth was gay, and it was his daddy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that that's basically the whole controversy in a nutshell mm-hmm. was. The whole idea they had to put this behind a Max because the Comics Code Authority wouldn't do it the higher ups at Marvel wouldn't let them do it after they got rid of the Comics Code Authority and then it just became like alright we're just shuttling this into our Mature Readers imprint.
1: I, I Well yeah I think the Mature Readers is kind of what saved them to see the light of day. Honestly it's funny because on our, uh, one of our last podcasts we talked about Kevin Smith and I feel like this has a lot of parallels to when he did dogma and, like, you have all these people from the conservative <clears throat> side up in arms but clearly didn't read the finished product. Yeah. And then you have the people that were, like, that you would expect that would be sorely behind. And they they're like, it's cute. And that's it. And they just kind of walk away and go about their day. Yeah. So, like, as groundbreaking as this is, because this was done as an, a gay cowboy in the Old West two years before the groundbreaking Brokeback Mountain. So he beat them to the punch. but it he It straight
0: before
1: he couldn't quit you. <laughs> so he, even though it was before all of that, he was, and, uh, the fact that he wrote it as a straight comedy, and everything just kind of swept it under the rug, and it's actually a pretty funny gem with everything in there, and, uh, the end result, uh, after, of course he beats Cisco Pike the first time, is, uh, the sheriff's still a pussy, still getting no respect from his son, his son's still calling him out on, on crap, and be like, you're not a real man, dad, you're yellow! And, and so he tries to find the deputy, and Rawhide Kid comes back. Feels for him because of his father issues, and probably because he has a, more than a passing crush on the uh oh, Or Wilder? <laughs> <laughs> Who owns a small house on the prairie? Yeah. <laughs> small house. Although he should probably change it a little. Should probably change it a little. <laughs> Just telling you. But, um... So, with uh, the Rawhide Kid having his little uh, man crush on the sheriff, because he's that kind of flirty, he sticks around and he helps the sheriff out for when, the, uh, when Cisco Pike comes uh, back with a whole squad of, you know, ne'er-do-wells to take the town to uh, go ahead and pillage and rape and do what cowboys did in the Old West. Uh, and it goes exactly as how you would think it would with some comedy elements, where Rawhide Kid just puts them all in their place... And then there's the final showdown between him and Cisco Pike. And Matt, the pussy, is still there doing yep. something. So uh, we'll get to that part a little bit later uh, as far as the outcome between Matt, uh, Rawhide Kid, and Cisco Pike. But well, yeah, basically it's like Rawhide Kid comes into town
0: and really nothing's the same again. No. And they even say it in the intro where it's just like it almost feel like that was original from the original comics. Yeah. But the ones I went back and took a look at, I didn't really see that there. No. But it was just like, all right, this is pretty cool. Which, i I ended up enjoying this a lot more than I thought I would. Than I thought, as someone who started up a podcast called "Oh, Got It Burns," like Ron Zimmer month should have been a month of pain.
1: Yeah.
0: And last last week, (laughs) we got the start of the Me Too movement and a really bad story. Yeah. And in this one, we see like the emergence and prominence of gay characters. Before Brokeback Mountain was even a thing, yeah. which, by the way, also got torn apart by a lot of people in the conservative wing, too. Yeah. So it's like the fact that this was a comic that's it for kids, in air quotes, that kind of got a lot more hate to it. So it was like almost shorthand, raw high Kid means bad comic. Yeah. And then I just didn't see it when I went back here. I saw a lot of really lame and tired jokes, especially when he kind of like fell one too many times into like almost a will and grace, like bad will and grace writing type of skit with a especially with Rawhide Kid's voice and his tone when he's doing it and then especially when he draws out words like
1: exactly <laughs> and you see like the four X's and exactly uh, I will say one thing I think like I said For what it was as a comedy movie, it definitely suited his purpose, but I don't think that Ron Zimmerman would have a very long-standing career writing gay characters, because a lot of it was just one gay cliche after another, like, gay cliche after another. It almost seemed like he was just channeling different people, like, one second he's just channeling RuPaul, the next second he's Jack from Will and Grace. And it just keeps on going. Just he's But then all you over have the like the really good things
0: where even though he is that gay character, and you feel like he is a little inconsistently written. Like I,
1: you, you felt that. I didn't quite so feel so much that he was inconsistently written. I, I didn't think he was inconsistent. I think his responses were just constantly like all you could over hear the place. different. People. Like you could hear different. You like, could hear the inspirations almost, that he's drawn from. Almost kind of like he was like, I need a zinger, and he just scrolls through, and it's like, that's the one. That 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 guy's zinger. That's what I'm going to use right now. It's. His voice is there. As a character, he was... He had a lot of strength. It's just that when he tried to throw out and sound sassy, it was always a different sass. Like, there wasn't any consistency to his sassiness. Yeah. And that that's where I picked up on that. And I was like, all right, well, if you're really going to write a gay character, you need to give him a gay voice. But in a comedy, those rules go out the window. And actually, it makes it funnier that he's always throwing out, like, random zingers that you're like, you don't know where they're coming from. Because even the characters that are interacting with him kind of don't know what to say, and that makes it more Except sensible. that he's a sharp dresser. Except that he's a sharp, sharp dresser. And
0: I love the part where he comes in and he's, like, threatening the Cisco Pike gang, and then when he leaves, they're like, man, it's almost like his, his pants are painted on, on him. You know, like, like, <laughs> he, like, he just kept complimenting
1: him. He just got nothing but compliments the entire <laughs> the, Like, even the ones that hated him, they respected his style. Maybe that's his, like, superpower. Maybe he's, like, a mutant, and his power is, like, sharp sharp dresser his, his like overbearing confidence
0: in the face of adversity like that that is his like big super well i
1: mean you have like gladiator whose strength is powered by how strongly he feels about himself so maybe you have him whose power is by how sharply dressed he is yeah <laughs> he gets his power from his buttons <laughs> and sometimes his chaps yeah just chaps nothing else that was that really, was a really like, awkward. I seat. let my cheeks get some sun. He's just like, "Well, you're wearing we're a hat. hat." And it's
0: like, mm, "Not those cheeks. You're not the brightest, huh?" Are you? <laughs> I think that I think the actual quote he said is like, "Well, no one ever said that beauty and uh, smarts were inseparable." <laughs> like, he's talking to the deputy. No, he's talking Talk to, to the, the sheriff. Because, uh, like, at that time, he's like trying to become the new deputy.
1: And you can kind of hear that the sheriff is just like somewhere between like a more like old western hank hill's like that boy ain't right <laughs> yeah because that's this is a running theme every time he talks for more than like two panels to the sheriff the sheriff's like that boy ain't right but
0: uh, like but the, he sure the is woman knows exactly who he is and like i remember the time at the end too when he gets like knocked down he's just like i want you to hide the derringer and i want you to hide the skillet that he like snuck under his shirt so it looked like he got shot and didn't save the spoiler. day spoiler <laughs> and then she's just like you heard what he said about loving you, right? It was just like, well, you know, you promised, well, only you promised not to steal them from me. He was like, honey, you let me pick out your dress, and I, <laughs> I
1: probably won't do that. It's good, it's good to have compromises. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's got it's got the gay humor there, and I can see how it gets annoying, because it does. It does. But it it never wore out its welcome for me. I, I think there were enough like I, jokes I, that hit. That really drowned out the awful... Yeah,
1: I, I think that was the big thing. One it was, like, it was a very concise five-issue series. I think if they tried to push this into, like, anything other than a small mini-series... If they try to make a whole series out of it? Yeah, or, or you know, add extra issues. Just the gay like, man seven. going to
0: different towns? Yeah. And-
1: um... <laughs> like kung fu, the, the legend continues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with guns. Instead of him playing that like giant flute, he's just walking around with his like cigarette oh, he's holder, playing a different kind of flute.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Hell, he, I think that's a jokey yeah <laughs> <laughs> Like when those uh, those wealthy boys from Ohio or Idaho come over, or Utah. It was, it was Utah. Utah the they Cartwright came in and were like, we only own two million acres. Then they're Cartwright their boys. They live with their mom. The Cartwright boys is like, mm, let me buy you a
1: drink. One of them's name is Hoss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my, on account of my biggest house... And then he's like, he's just like, "Boys, you're hey, not leaving until I buy you a drink and you get a bath." <laughs> like
1: he's just like hanging out with
0: them off-panel, and he just, just keeps referring a lot of the to
1: them like in the most obvious ways. It's like you done ruined my evening with the with them Cartwright boys. You know how hard it is to find two single men to Still live with their, their, mamas their parents yeah. that have all this money. <laughs> When they mention that they only have two acres, but it's like two million acres, and, like, and then his eyes light his up. His eyes light like, no, You're staying. Like, <laughs> he, just, he just became like the gold, gold like he the gay became gold, the gold digger. Yeah, like the gay gold digger. <laughs> like if he had another alter ego, it'd be like the gay gold digger.
0: <laughs> and Another really good joke that I saw like in the first issue uh towards the end he's like in his underwear doing crunches and he does like 400 crunches and the boys are like in the bushes like looking at him it's like oh there he is it's a raw kid he's so much better than your pa and he says oh boys look at you little creeps over there and he just puts on a robe and he's like i get dressed and he puts on the robe and it's like the same style as the clothes he's he wears he's like hold on let me
1: get on my robe and it's literally like a, his shirt but a whole robe like
0: the material keeps going down yeah, and the kids are, like, asking all this stuff. was like, you saw Wyatt Earp? You saw all this stuff? Like, going down this list, like, Doc Holliday, all like, these he things. He's just got just, like, mad
1: breath. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he's like, what about Bill Hickok? He's like, well, you boys don't mind if I smoke, do you? And he, like, takes a long drag, and he goes, he really is larger than mine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That, yeah, that was great. He's, like, name-dropping. He's smoking, like, the C.C. DeVille. Uh, yep, <laughs> the cigarette holder.
0: But, yeah, it's... I I don't know what to say about it like I can see why this wasn't for somebody if you were if this was built up as the big like mainstream debut of a gay character in their own comic which by the way North Star did it in 1994 which was two years after he came out as gay in Alpha Flight we're not gonna say anything about that because I don't even know I haven't read that one I'm not sure if they actually alluded to the fact that he was gay in there or I what? I don't
1: think so much. I know that they made a big thing about when he finally got married. They had they gave him that yeah issue. Well,
0: Marjorie Lou and yeah. I think it was just like Mike Perkins. But that was
1: after, way after this. Um, yeah,
0: that was years. Yeah. I think it was like 2013. Well, or I, I think
1: I think at the time like he was a gay character, but I don't think they came right out and said it. I think they were alluding to that in the series. Yeah, maybe um, it's. enough um, it after, was
0: never a central plot point. No, no, it wasn't. But this was like gay cowboy. Read it here. X-stray, Extra, extra.
1: We got gay cowboys. We got gay cowboys doing gay stuff for all you gay people. Here's some gay For you non-gay people, this cowboys.
0: Yep, and then it's just it really is like I I don't know like it all the hate that this got it had to be from the disappointment of people just wanting it to do more from that, one end, like, the liberal end, just wanting it to go, like, more and be more transcendent. Yeah, yeah. And then, from the conservative side, just bashing it endlessly cool. because it's gay. Because this really was entertaining.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, like, I'm not sure if I'll read it too often, but I'm glad that I went back and reread it. I could
1: honestly say that, like, I was surprised at how much I liked it normally. I thought of, like, once I get to it, I was like, oh, I get it. He's, he's gay, and it's there, and he's winking and nodding. And I was like, but I breeze through these issues and i was just like no this, yeah this, this it's is almost like story. all the
0: jokes that didn't land and get Craven when he was trying to be uh garth ennis Yeah, you know. like he really just kind of embraces mel brooks in this one and, i think that was a better better and fit for him it,
1: it worked a lot better because like i felt like this whole comic book was kind of like when the vulture popped up for that cameo but like it works versus like what what are you doing here, Walter? Oh,
0: speaking of cameos, man.
1: Oh, there are some cameos. This one
0: is littered with cameos, and it got to a point where it was it was a little on the distracting side. It wasn't anything as incendiary as the Rothsteins no. showing up in Get Craven, which is like seriously should be should have made that a key issue. Series <laughs> like just by itself, like everyone's Get Craven series should be worth like four times what they are right now, just because that was the start of like them tearing down the Weinsteins. But this one, they, they had a couple uh, ones here, and we're going to go ahead and go into our awards right now for this series. Well,
1: before we do the awards, you want to explain a little bit about why exactly, like the because I believe you had some communication oh, with Mr. Shit. Did I forget about you that? You forgot about I actually... It. I, I think there's a little bit more to that story as to why Get Craven wasn't the explosive Me Too reveal <laughs> that it should have been, because uh, uh, our... our darling podcaster here nick he went ahead i created
0: a twitter just so i can try and get in touch with ron zimmerman just because that's how you get in touch with celebrities and stuff so i went ahead and sent him a message and i'm gonna go ahead and read you my message which may have been overly like pretty wordy uh and then you'll see ron zimmerman's which were just like did he answer something (laughs) like i don't know so let's go ahead So this is the first thing I say to him. Just finished reading Get Craven for a podcast I'm starting up. I was very surprised to see that you'd taken on the Weinsteins such a long time ago. If you have the time, I'd love to ask you a few questions regarding your experience with the Weinsteins and their other inspirations for the series. Because in retrospect, Get Craven is one of the most consequential but overlooked comics in comics history. Also, in case it looks suspect that I don't have anything on my profile, I literally created this account for the sole purpose of contacting you about the story. And then he sends it back to me. I'm very flattered. Thank you so much. I also now the Weinsteins on a TV show called Action. Which by the way, we mentioned Action in the previous one. Yeah. It wasn't until later when I like looked it up and saw that Ron Zimmerman was the writer of that. And really like the story of the suicidal writer was almost the exact same as the plot line going through an action, which was canceled. So it never got to air. So canonically, like, Get Craven was the first published takedown of the Weinsteins. So I was like, okay. Thanks for writing back. I did remember that and came up in discussion but didn't piece it together until I checked out the synopsis of the episode and realized it was almost the same character arc as your suicidal writer story. Was the Get Craven story a reaction to the episode never airing? Also, was the Weinstein takedown in action at all a factor in the show's cancellation? I also want to ask the obvious question about the backstory that motivated you to take on the Weinsteins, but I understand that this is too personal to get into. And he wrote back, I just always had a feeling those fuckers were evil. <laughs> The writer in the story is me. I think the episode is on YouTube. It's called The Last Ride of the Elephant Princess. So his whole justification for, like, his spot-on takedown of the wine scenes. Like, Judging, we don't know if there's any NDAs or anything kind of yeah. going on behind or He just doesn't want to go into it. But he was just like, nah, I just had a hunch he fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so I made him rape someone. <laughs> spot-on, though. <laughs> spot-on. In, in two mediums. In two, <laughs> different two, two different mediums, he had the Weinstein's rape somebody just because he thought they were fucking evil. Again, it could go a little deeper than that, but just from the thing he gave me, I, I couldn't help but be amused by that as I was seeing it. So there we go. Hopefully, I'm I'm gonna see if he would be down for like even like a short like interview. For this one, because I have a feeling by the time we finish with Ron Zimmerman, yeah. uh, we'll have quite a few questions going through it. I know that Alan Timber they show up as almost recurring characters throughout the rest of his works too. Yeah. So there might be some other juicy tidbits there. But in the meantime, we're gonna go ahead and finish our awards. The awards for the Max Series 2003 Raw Kid. We do have some awards we're gonna go ahead and give out on the Oh God It Burns uh, network. So here we go. First thing we're gonna go ahead and go for. Is the crisis of cameos? Uh, this
1: man. is
0: like you saw how much in Get Craven it was like Scott Bayo, like it was just like just nothing but like it him was, dropping in. Kevin it was, Smith, Robert drops. Downey Jr., the Weinsteins were in there, and plus that was not even the tip of the iceberg. There were so many more, just that Gary Coleman, Emmanuel Lewis. Uh, it just went on and on, and this is no different. It's like he come from Hollywood and he's like taking his Hollywood uh experienced i will too. say there's
1: a slight difference in this one because in in um get craven they're very much like characters of them like really? it wasn't like it wasn't like he drew spot on or he had the artist like i don't know i
0: thought that emmanuel lewis was
1: that <laughs> pretty spot on that that's cold man that's cold short not light that's cold man Working
0: as a security
1: guard. <laughs> I, I mean, the characterizations were all, were on point, but I, I think he took a lot of artistic liberties with the characters' like depiction on on the page. Hmm. However, there is no denying that exactly is- who he was talking about. Even if you hadn't read the person's name, you knew exactly who the mayor was. He even did a close up on the guy with the stupid expression that he was known for.
0: Yep, right on there. And it, it wasn't like. They changed his name or anything. It wasn't they like. called it, Mayor
1: Walker Bush.
0: Mayor Walker Bush. It wasn't Mayor Shrub. No, it,
1: was like, it wasn't Mayor Shrubbery or anything like that. It was Mayor Walker Bush. No, it was Mayor Walker Bush. And he was worried
0: about getting reelected because of them damn terrorists and stuff. He's
1: worried, yep, because of them dang terrorist gunslingers that came into town. And he's like, What do you complain about? Your daddy done bought you the election. Mm. He's like, But I only won by a couple of votes. Wait, wait, like, hey, not, standards not, standards. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
0: and then it was like a close-up of the George Bush expression. Like it almost made me flashback to there was a one image in Ultimates. I think it was either Ultimates one or two, and it was it was a close-up of George Bush by Brian Hitch. And this was almost as photorealistic <laughs> as, as that. I one. feel it may have been the same picture that and, he went for.
1: And then to go ahead and uh, appease the corrupt mayor he uh, went ahead and uh, had to get a new deputy because his last deputy got shot right in issue one right after he was, like, quickly introduced.
0: So then we start getting a couple more cameos that come in, which the first one that looks at it is just, like, this random redneck who just wants to marry his sister. And he needs a steady job. Hardy-har. Hardy-har. <laughs> the next one, they don't really say anything, but he's holding a burger, and he looks suspiciously like Wimpy from Popeye's. And so- he's like...
1: And he asks, like, does this offer room and board? I need a place to live.
0: Yeah, because he was always such a freeloader with everything. Now, if he would ask, like, do I get paid in hamburgers? That would have been a total, like... Or,
1: like, do you pay on Wednesday? But like, I was just like, all right, that one's that one's that very subtle. subtle.
0: I missed the first one. Then you get to the next one, and it's like, my name's Fife.
1: Bernard, Bernard Fife. Bernie
0: Fife. <laughs> <Barney> Fife. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? He looks just like Don Knotts. Get back. <laughs> Go back. Go back. I was like, you were doing so good. No I was starting to look past the fact that you had literal George Bush.
1: No, no. Donat, you go back over there. you go back to Matlock? Apparently he was a horn dog. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently he got his man. I mean Look, look at him. He was famous. I'm I the, oh, I'm an incredible Mr. Limpet. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you I can't you ever know. have sex with a fish man? Oh Jesus. So, yeah, he's like, I got cartoon blood. (laughs) And it was great because it was right then, right down to the Barney Fife character because he was just like, we got to go ahead and nip this. Well, how do you plan on taking care of these gunslingers? Like I said, we just straight nip it. Now, do I get a real gun? Because the last time they only gave me a gun, but it had no bullets in it. I need a bullet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then the other one we kinda like touched on as well too, Laura Ingalls Wilder is
1: in this one and yeah. she is constantly talking about writing these memoirs about her life on a house on a prairie. A small house a on a prairie. A small house on a prairie. Uh, even and Sheriff Sheriff just like, well, we be better it's a little. There's a little, little house. People
0: might listen to it. So, it's just like, Lauren Ingalls Water's in there. Also, the guy who wrote High Noon yeah. makes a cameo in this one. I think there are a couple of them. They even joke ones.
1: about his thing. High Noon, that's a crappy name. That was
0: actually uh, Mayor Bush, which yeah. is like, that's a stupid, stupid name. name.
1: High Noon, <laughs> that's a stupid name for a shoot 'em up Texas movie. Yeah. But <laughs> well, yeah, it's
0: just like, it, it, it's the cameos happen. They're not uh, as in-your-face as they were in his previous work, which kind of like made me feel a little better, no. but they all happen at once. And then, and then it's just like okay. Then you kind of settle down for a little bit. The Mayor Bush comes back and like does this whole thing where she's just like trying to rally everyone. and It's just like listen, we got to all get together because Raw High Kid needs us. It's like screw that, we're getting out of town. <laughs> the Raw High Kid was just like, you know, how you can help us by getting out of the
1: town. And then the people in the town were just like,
0: screw you, we can help you.
1: I think that that's uh, goes to our next award, uh, which is talking about the character and strength of Rawhi Kid. This is our Golden Kernel Award. Our, our
0: Awarded North. to our golden our, our, our shining star in this. Uh, usually typically what we created this for was like bad comics. This yeah. wasn't bad. This no, was it wasn't this mediocre bad. at worst yeah. I feel. But this was like probably the best example of the characterization of him. Like mm-hmm. uh, Rawhi Kid he walks the walk.
1: Quite literally. Um, yeah throughout the whole thing he's just everything that he does with his sass and every moment that he throws out there it's because he's already got it planned out he knows exactly what's going to go on he never puts himself in a situation that he knows he's going to he, lose where he's going to lose it's like he tells he tells these people mm-hmm. like my, one of my favorite scenes actually in there uh the jailhouse scene um where oh actually we have, there is a cameo in there let's save the Zorro. Knockoff. Oh, Zorro! Yeah, There's a, there is there a Zorro. There is a Zorro knockoff. I was wondering. I was just like, "This is French." <laughs> yeah. Uh, this our our Zorro knockoff. But uh, shortly after, uh, he goes into the jailhouse because at one point there is a character that is the number two to Cisco Pike, Red Duck, and mm-hmm. he's like, "You done insulting my honor? I'm gonna avenge him." So he goes into town to to take Rod Kid one on one. High Kid proceeds to beat him senseless. And the sheriff stops him from shooting Red Duck. He's like, no, we're going to arrest him because that's what we do in the West. And he's like, all right, but can I knock him out? Yeah, that's okay. So he just knocks this guy out, throws him in jail. And he's sitting there. He's like, they're going to come for me. So sure enough, um, they find out that he's in jail. So they try to break out. And they find a stereotypical. They hire two, what looks like <clears throat> Chinese. Two, uh, two Asian. Uh, two Asian. Two Asian uh, ninjas. Two Asian ninjas. And, and, and- a less the saber and the uh the bear thunderclaw thunderclaw the, the- uh, just like somewhere between like a pioneer and an engine <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's that's his thing because at one point he's even like i have uh strength and knowledge of the land and what so- he was talking
0: about like his god the spirit bear yeah, and, and it's,
1: it's like that. and some small mystical powers like that are vague enough to work so he shows up and uh rawhide kid proceeds to just knock them out and he's like all right there's no need for guns now. And, and of course, the guys reach for their guns like somebody wasn't listening, and he just shoots them dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's just proof alone that he walks the walk at every point where someone's going to draw a gun on him. He's like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Yeah, and even
0: at the end when it looks like he got shot, like, you find out that he just kind of planned the whole thing yeah. by hiding a skillet under his thing well, just to try and make Matt look better for his kid.
1: Even when he was fighting the Red Duck, uh, when he was fighting uh, Red Duck who had just got now, and then he fought LeSabre with a cane, beat him with a cane after LeSabre cut it with a sword, and then <clears throat> Red Duck goes to get his gun... And the kid like, just shoots him straight through the hand. Yeah, just puts a bullet right through his hand. Gun drops and everything.
0: Or yeah. when he went to go ahead and scalp Sheriff Matt, yeah, he straight up shot him through the hand while he was grabbing his hair. Like like those old guns, you can't you <laughs> can't aim, aim that like, well. Uh, like no. he should have. If this was real, put a bullet through that sheriff's head by accident. That was actually, It went straight through his hand. That was
1: actually one of the things that uh, prior to this that the Rawhide Kid had is that he was such a crack shot, like, he'd put Hawkeye to shame. Because he could, even with those old mm. beat-up pistols, he could go ahead and just disarm people at the drop of a hat. And you even see him prior to this doing target practice where he shoots, like, everything from, like, bottles, coins, because he's doing, like, target practice in the morning, a pencil that's sticking in the ground. Yeah. You know, he's just a crack marksman and it's you know it, it it's pretty much listed throughout every time he gets in a conflict he knows what he's going to do and better yet he's also a good scrapper because he can fight he knows how to fight because going back to when he was younger
0: like when he was getting hold, held down by the boys called a sissy boy like that's like one of the most poignant panel like it's a whole page Yeah, maybe even two but it's like this whole series goes for nothing but laughs and a lot of them are cheap but also like I said a lot of them land so I don't think it really matters like and then we get through this, and it's just a yuck, yuck factory. Even, like, the more tense areas, like, there's always a lot of jokes in the background. And then there's one scene where the raw kid has a flashback. And he's got tears in his eyes. It was, uh, and he's thinking back to his childhood being held down by a group of boys and
1: beat up while his dad's all drunk and stuff. Yeah, I think it was it was triggered by Toby talking smack to his dad for, yeah. like the umpteenth time. Mm-hmm. And it was just like... When he called his dad a sissy. And he called his dad a sissy. So he starts flashing back to this <laughs> moment of him crying as he's getting beat up by these kids because they're calling him a sissy and he's calling his dad for help but his dad's too drunk and then his, and dad, his dad, like, dad thinks he's a sissy and too, then his dad so. just like kind of sobers up for a moment and walks over to the boys like the panel shows him getting close to the boys and you think he's gonna help and he just punches his son and says like this is all your fault it's like your mama done left because of you like and then she died or like everything went wrong since you came along and then your mama died at childbirth it's all your fault you girly boy and he just starts like beating his son while drinking the bottle and it's just like forever stood that like he values the father-son relationship because it's something he did not have
0: and then he had that really stern talk he was like listen you have been terrible to your dad since we started this thing. Like, you need to make up with him right now. He cares about you. He's, like, the best dad that you can have. Like, you should and he's be so g- lucky to have him. He's, this. like, he's, a, he's good like a man. He's a really good role model for this kid, too. He's, like, using his position. And he, he'll straight up tell the kid he's being annoying and stuff like that. So it's just, like, every time the kid drops something like that, he never lets it go. He jumps straight on him. So it's just, like, he is, like, a pillar of his community. Yeah, He is one of the strongest guys out in the West. Like, this is... As far as I'm concerned, like all the stereotypes
1: and stuff aside, he's a
0: very strong character.
1: Yeah, he, it, A bit two dimensional. Well, I mean, <laughs> but he's a very strong. The whole thing character. is even when even prior to the series when he was introduced, he's only known mm. as an outlaw because he killed someone self defense and he was cleared. But regardless, the reputation of the West yeah. out, far outseeds the justice of the West, so he got known as an outlaw. Mm. And so while he has the reputation of an outlaw, and he's a gunslinger, and he's a fighter he, at the end of the day, is actually really progressive for the West, and really understanding, because, like, while everyone's out there trying to be all macho, and who's man, man, he's like, I know how good I am, I don't need to prove anything to y'all, but you can at least try to be decent to one another, and he tries to go that throughout. A little bit catty with the ladies, but other than that, like, he is dead on (laughs) about keeping everyone in line. Whenever anyone steps out of line, like, I think there's a couple times where they had Doc, uh, the town doctor, who's drunk and just says whatever belligerent thing comes to mind and he's like that's a bit much there you best to say sorry and the dog's like i'm sorry yeah (laughs) like he 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 everybody everybody in line and and hits it it.
0: now uh on the other hand we have our fizzle reel which is a character that i thought was trying to be progressive and then it turned out he was just really the biggest wimp in the
1: whole thing yeah uh we got sheriff pussy pants himself uh sheriff matt 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 morgan matt morgan Our our Sheriff, he starts off strong, like I said. He starts off as someone who stepped up to the role of Sheriff um, from being a simple shoemaker. Um, He ran some rustlers out of town and now here comes some real gunslingers and even he acknowledges like those rustlers they're scared by the f- by the sound of a gun but these are real gunslingers they they, they know how to fight and he doesn't want to have any bloodshed no. and, like his kids are there and stuff like that he's
0: always trying to look out for the best of the community and it feels like he's using like really progressive uh like sheriff tactics of trying to like i think it, talk to it, him it and starts get off
1: that way that he is yeah that very progressive and then
0: throughout the whole story like everyone like every scene he's in he's getting Knocked down for being a wimp, and he's just like, "Boy, pull yourself a switch." It's like, "Oh yeah, wait to prove that you're not
1: a, a lot of a coward dad beating your son." No, like I beat the bad guys, but you could beat me. Then Lauren goes, "Water was just like, he's got a point there." So he's he's getting sass from his not woman and his son, who was just a little brat throughout the whole and series.
0: Everyone else and everyone in the just whole like town. But
1: what's 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 great about that is in playing with the comedy aspect is that you find out that he really. In spite of being a joke, he really is an upstanding guy. Because, one, he's just like, I guess I'm not sheriff anymore. He's like, well, I, I wouldn't say that. He's like, why? He's like, well, because nobody else wants a job. In fact, when you showed up for the job, we thought it was a joke. You were just the one who answered You're the ad. You are just the one who answered the ad. We so we been, gave it to you. We really thought it was a joke. So we nobody- found I was just like, man, so
0: I'm the only sucker that's doing this. But then, like, you get to the part where uh, Red Duck, he comes in, which is the part where I just completely lost all respect for this well, character I, I mean
1: there has moments I mean the, the guy faces mortality so many times he took a beating from 10 people yeah he keeps getting shot every time he steps out to try to be brave there comes a point where you're just like maybe I shouldn't do this
0: but yeah so Red Duck comes in and he's like having a picnic with Laura and he's got the kids out there and he's like listen I think we should move somewhere where there aren't kids like that's respectable yeah but then like he's threatening him, he shoots him, and then he's like on the ground, he's like, listen, we're gonna have to take you to the, to the thing. It's like the the flesh wound joke from Monty Python <laughs> just kind of moved over. Because it eventually uh, culminates when it, Red Duck has him by the head and is starting to scalp him, and he's just sitting there like, oh, salt assaulting an officer. <laughs> and that's when Rawhide just shoots him through the hand.
1: And I'm like, oh my god, this guy is so clueless! And he just keeps getting saved by Rawhide. I also thought they doubled down on that in the final confrontation where Cisco Pike comes to town after Rawhide Kid has done decimated his entire yeah. army. Um, he's like, alright, so we're gonna do it this way. And it's like, he's, they're basically in a, a standoff with the two of them pointing at him, and he's just like, alright, we're gonna do this on three. One... Rawhide Kid goes two, then he goes to uh, my, my, two and a half. And then Rawhide's just like, now's nah, not the time. Now's nah, not the time for that. Shut up. Shut <speaks> up. Sorry, <"Nah>. <laughs>. <laughs> so then they have the three, and Rawhide Kid is that's when he feigns getting shot. Despite the very real blood.
0: There's the blood there. I don't so, think they had ketchup packets in the Old West.
1: I, I don't know. I think he may have been the first one to discover cornstarch. Yeah. <laughs> Food diet. <Yeah. laughs> so he's laying there, shot, and uh, it's at this point that it's, you know... Cisco Pike versus Cisco Pike versus Matt Morgan, the pussy sheriff. And but he's just that. like,
0: you're not getting to see my kid, my woman. And he's like, like, like professing his love for... And then... Uh, big gun smoke and then cisco pike falls
1: down and he's like oh wait i got shot this ain't right and he just falls over mm-hmm. and sheriff is as stunned as everyone else is like did that really happen and laura ingles runs over to the rawhide kid rawhide are you all right And he's just laying there and he's like, like do me a favor there's an iron skillet that i'm wearing and a derringer that's hidden Right here on my arm. You're gonna need to hide that for me. You need to hide that for me, and she immediately realizes that he basically set it up so that he could. He's like, "I just shot Cisco Pike ten seconds ago. You need to hide this." Yeah. So it it's, it does
0: have like a really heartwarming ending. There's yeah. a wedding and everything like that, and. Uh, at the end this is, uh, the rawhide kid just kind of roams off to another place he's like I can't stay and be your deputy i made to roam yeah. so he goes off but before we leave here we've we got another. one more award and this one goes to the
1: should have swiped left and this goes for Catastrophe Jen yep she was actually originally going to be featured in our Crisis of Cameos because she's clearly a play on Calamity Jane but uh, Catastrophe Jen shows up and uh, I guess she's meant to be the foil because she's essentially a very butch um, character, a uh, female character. Uh, she's she's the first lesbian character, <laughs> she's <just> the first <laughs> that's starring in the maybe fr- the whole series was really about her. Yeah. <laughs> she was really the most badass <laughs> character the entire time. She played her character completely straight. She did not like. What men. Was it like when she first
0: came in and then uh, Sixto Pike's like
1: fifty dollars to the
0: first man who brings me the head of the rawhide kid and she's like, um, what about, about me? me? And he's like, what do you mean? I said and, what I said. I was like, but you said man. man. And he's just like... And then she just turns around and, like, stabs this other guy because he's making a pass at her. The other guy's like,
1: come here, I'll take care of you. And she's
0: just like, nope. Stabs him in the chest, which is another, like, badass, like, Me Too move (laughs) that Zimmerman's pulling. And then he dies, just like, 60 bucks if she does it. (laughs) He gives her a raise. But throughout the rest of the series, she's like shooting people dead they are in their own gang. And the guys
1: constantly don't realize this and keep trying to hit on her because she's a female and she's like, nope, and kills him. Yep. And the guy's like, you've got to stop killing my men.
0: And then the final when they're riding in to rape and pillage everything. She's like, we're going to take the, the jailhouse and get that
1: rawhide kid. And she's like, but you said the we get the whores. <laughs> it's like, one thing at a time. You're then, you're worse than my dirt cowboys. <laughs> like, what's great is that he const- it's a, there's that constant playoff. Even when... um. At one point where he's like... She, he literally says one of the lines, like, Stop killing men. They're getting harder to replace. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> every guy that looks at her, she kills them. Yeah. Um, although she did have a nice moment. Uh, Which when- was
0: not the should have swiped life. She did find love in, I'm assuming, a whorehouse. Yeah. Because at the end, when they're doing the marriage scene, and Sheriff Matt is getting married to Laura Ingalls, and their little boy is wearing the, the rawhide kid's uniform, if you look just off to the side... You see, Calamity Jen wearing the Deputy Star. She's the new Deputy, and she's got her arm tangled around this very buxom-looking prostitute.
1: I was I was actually going to talk about that. That that's her happy ending. I was actually going to talk about. And I guess this is kind of the runner-up for the Fizzle reel with the dirt maps. Oh, where the the running joke is that Cisco Pike draws like the worst dirt maps. So it's just like here's the jail, and there's there's where the raw hot kid's gonna be. And it's like what is that over there? Is that a lake? No, no, it's the jail. Are you not paying attention? And they're just like, I can't make out your map. Are you a darn person, this is the best dirt map I've ever made. Lemony well,
0: Jennings is like, like, I like your dirt map.
1: map. Yeah. She's like the only one's like, yeah. I like the dirt map. That
0: was after he told her that she could have 60 bucks. <laughs> <stuff.
1: laughs> He's probably just kissing his ass.
0: Oh, oh man. So that. All that being said, that is the Rawhide kit from 2003, the Max series that really should not have been a Max series. And I think the only thing that even warranted maybe even a little bit of censorship was when they called Matt a pussy in like issue two. And that was it. That was the worst thing that was done here. There's almost no blood in this whole thing. No. It's very comical. Well, it's like a cartoon There series. are blood
1: shots, but no
0: blood. Yeah.
1: <laughs> in fact, there's in fact, blood. Like, no,
0: he's got blood hanging from that head, that From the, scalp the scalping. It.
1: Which is actually weird, because it looked like for a split second, that like, he just put the knife up to his head. And then all of a sudden, it was like, he's just profusely bleeding. Which I, I honestly thought it was just like...
0: And he was deadpan, too. He's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I honestly thought maybe he's just a femophiliac. Yeah. And it's just like the knife nicked him and he's like, oh, God. <laughs> like, I'm like that Russian prince that doesn't exist for another 50 years. It's just like constantly like, that's why he keeps getting shot and he's like bleeding. Mm-hmm.
0: So that being said, that wraps up our second episode of uh, Ron Zimmermonth. Next week, we're going to be back to talk about the follow up. To the Rawhide Kid, and I think last week I mentioned that was called the Fabulously Magnificent Seven. Uh, I was actually thinking of its working title way back when. That goes to show you how long I've been reading Newsarama and keeping up with this, because I actually am a fan of this series, and like even when it first debuted and everything. And I've been waiting for the follow up because they kept teasing it. But it's actually called the Sensational Seven, and it's actually uh, John Severin uh, died. I think if not at this time then maybe around that time I, mean, I think it was was 2008 or something I mean it
1: was 80 when when he did Rawhide. Yeah Day, so he so.
0: he's dead or he was like on like his last cup leg but then Howard Chakin comes in to do art for this one and Howard Chaikin, known for his period pieces especially the 1950s United States so it's really interesting for me to go back and see uh, how he handles this time period uh, especially since I have never even read the Sensational 7 at this time. But before we leave, let's go ahead and hit some recommendations. Bruno, do you have any recommendations that kind of jump off
1: uh, of this? Let me see. Oh, off of this... Preferably,
0: uh, if we're keeping with the spirit too. Like, uh, If you know of another series that had like a really good gay arc uh, that our readers might want to go ahead and jump into.
1: I, I was actually thinking of, initially, keeping with the Wild West aesthetic. If you've ever read um, I think it's C- Sensational She-Hulk, which she runs the law firm and they have... Oh, the dance lot? Yeah, where they have the two-gun kid, and uh, he shows up and becomes, like, a character pulled out from time, Mm -hmm. and actually fits into the modern day pretty well. Um, So that that was my take on it, because it was kind of the opposite of this, where it's, like, adding progressiveness back into the Old West, this is bringing the Old West, and then, you know, kind of showing them progression, and he fit in uh, real well. I'm probably going to have to take a second to think about uh, a character that I could think
0: of well it's okay I can go ahead and jump in on let's, this one let's go ahead because uh, I wasn't even thinking of western stuff because wh- how, how many western stuff it's like Jonah Hex but yeah. I didn't read any I, Jonah I mean, Hex I wouldn't, so I can't really I, say it. Uh,
1: it, was, it that's very formulaic well, Jimmy Palmiotti. I was just thinking of like when like a lot of the characters because like I mean Marvel does a lot with their Old West. They just randomly, like, the Avengers will travel back in time, because why not? Or like Ghost uh, Rider, the original Ghost Rider. like Oh,
0: the original Ghost Rider series when they went back with uh, Garth Ennis and Clayton Crane. Hmm. Uh, and they, they did the the take on that one. That was actually really good, too. But the one I want to focus on, if you were disappointed by the gay uh, stereotyping and stuff in this one, there is a series that really, really nailed it and actually had it very organic within it and that was young avengers i was just we thinking wiccan, i just
1: came to that right now wiccan and hulkling
0: wiccan and hulkling like their whole relationship just just came out of nowhere and it was very At, organic but it was very organic like uh, it's like as you watch you like kind of get ideas it's like okay there might be something there and it just happens you're like of course of course this happens so if you want to see like gay characters done right and especially early marvel because this was like around the same time as like right after avengers disassembled and they were relaunching all the avengers stuff i think in like 2004 or something this wasn't too far after rawhide kid um it really had like a super progressive one and it was actually written by a gay writer too alan heinberg who also came from hollywood i think he was a writer on gray's anatomy
1: i think it was i believe so but yeah that oh, it, that i would recommend if you're looking for it he did the oc he did the OC. The OC was I'm thinking. That's, that's, that was his big thing, and I used to love that show. Now, pretty much captured down teen drama. Um, I was, let me see here. I was trying to think, because I had one in my in my head. Um, I think one of the newest ones was Iceman, the series, when they... Iceman! When when, uh, when Bendis they, went when they retroactively yeah. went ahead and confirmed that. That was like, actually my second choice I was going to choose, but I'm, I went with The Young Avengers. No, I was... Both sorry. by Bendis. <laughs> But I would definitely say Iceman, where, of course, um, he meets his younger self, because after everything that's been going on with the... Which, by the way, the current
0: uh, continuity, Iceman is a straight man. So sort it's, of. Sort of. I it's kind of
1: like... Well, that's that's actually what happened, was that, I mean, he was a straight man, but this is actually... Because they tried DC tried to do this when they did their Earth 2, mm-hmm. and they tried to just relaunch, and they made Alan Scott... Gay, and there was a huge backlash from that, mostly because Alan Scott was a legacy character, and his biggest legacy was the two kids, Obsidian and Jade. Because gay men can't have kids. Well, technically, a gay men can have kids, but it'd be like because they're they have to explain the surrogate a life
0: of lie because they joined the church to try and hide everything. Yeah, and well,
1: I mean, the, the whole big which thing is, is, is a
0: very common thing in the Midwest and other places. I, I think
1: the, the big thing would have been because of the fact that they they had him be like an out and out gay man. And then that means that the surgery Because, like, there's no way you're going to say that he adopted two kids, and one of them has the same powers as him. So, like, obviously, that kind of... And that was their reintroduction of the JSA into the New 52. And it didn't go over so well. And honestly, even the series itself, for various reasons, just with writing in itself, didn't go far. Mm. Which is why the Earth 2 line got kind of thrown to the wind. But um, Marvel actually found a way to make it work. Because instead of you know instead of trying to retroactively erase a character's background and be like and now he's gay um they took a character who's for the most part kind of a he's been there i mean everyone knows iceman everyone knows what he can do but he's never really had any strong emotional connections to any character he's just had one failed romance after another i think he dated polaris briefly and that was probably the one that stuck out the most um, and there's just nothing that's ever really been built with this character. And then you come to find out that the reason that his romances have all failed is because he's effectively been living this lie. Because he had to come out twice. First as a mutant, and that was too much, because this yeah. is like this is a character that when his powers came out, his parents left him at with Charles McDavid They said, Your problem now. All the other ones their parents kept in touch, he was actually shown in every one of his origins, when they whether it's ultimate lines or mainstream Marvel, his parents always left him. Like, he's running away and being chased by Sentinels or being chased by an anti-mutant team and just completely abandoned. Um, And had such a hard time coming out to his folks about being a mutant and then figuring it, it was so much that he couldn't come out all the way and be like, I'm a gay mutant. Until he met his older, his younger self that was pulled forward in time to remind the X-Men of how far they've strayed from like their original selves. And then Jean Gray accidentally mind reads him and it's like, But you're you're gay? And he's like, that, I'm not gay. And then it all kind of makes sense. So he's a talk with his younger self and he realizes this truth that he's been hiding his whole life. Yeah. And he's much better for it because he's out understanding and now he's facing the struggles of not only the problems that come with being an adult mutant, but also you know embracing a new lifestyle that he had long since repressed so i thought that was really well handled as far as the struggles of coming out which you don't see that often and a great way to take a character that's well established that's kind of there and add a whole new layer of depth to it
0: Mm -hmm. oh man i i'm glad that you said that one because i was really jumping back and forth between young avengers and And the only reason i chose young avengers over new x-men was because oh all new x-men was because I only got like about ten issues into it before I stopped collecting comics yeah. around that time. Well, no, but it, it was such a good story. It,
1: it was a great storyline, and honestly, like I said, I was torn between the old west concept and um, and I thought since it was a comedy, I thought I'd, I'd stick with the whole like uh, two gun kid coming back to join She Hulk because there was just so much comedy gold that was mine yeah. from that particular series. That the series is just made for laughs, but when you get to the more serious part of the story which was trying to introduce a gay character hands down it was either down to hulkling and wiccan or Iceman. as marvel clearly shows that when they're not joking around they can do justice to the you know uh lbgt uh community
0: yeah so we got a couple really good recommendations from there if you have any recommendations please don't uh Hesitate to share them with us because we're we're all about reading this stuff. Uh, Thank you guys for sticking it with us, and hopefully you're finding out that uh, Zimmerman's probably not as bad a writer as we think he is. Mm -hmm. But we're only like halfway through his stuff anyway, (laughs) so there's still plenty of time to see how it goes. It's all downhill
1: from here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I haven't read the next ones, but we will see. So in the meantime, guys, my name is Nick. My name is Bruno, and this has been (gasps) Oh God, God it burns. burns. So remember, in the meantime, good night. And Felice Navidad.
1: And don't forget to take your Wonder Tonic for all that ails you, whether it be dysentery or the consumption. (laughs) True that. Oh God, it burns.